dives in for the touchdown. Did he get it? Yes, sure he did. Touchdown to Detroit Lions. You're listening to the One Podcast. Hello and welcome to the One Pridecast. I'm Tori Petri from DetroitLions.com and your host for this official Lions podcast. Guys, I know it is not your usual Tuesday that you are used to listening to this podcast on, so I thank you for your patience as we deal with this kind of crazy short week that the Lions have after Monday Night Football and heading into this matchup with the 49ers, but I think you are going to enjoy uh, today's episode. If you guys listened to the Lions podcast last season, it was a lot of myself and... Former Lion, Lions analyst Lomas Brown, and Lomas is actually joining us for today's episode. So we're going to bring Lomas in. Lomas, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Another year, Tori. Right. It's like old times. I'm so happy to have you back. (laughs) I'm glad to be back. That Gaither connection, we got to get that going again. Yeah, yeah, we just got to remind the listeners, if you weren't part of our podcast last year, Lomas Brown and I, both Florida Gators, so we have that uh, going for us. Lomas is doing a Gator chomp right now. (laughs) Even though... Our Gators had a rough weekend. Yes, Kentucky <laughs> broke the streak against us, man. I mean, the streak went way back, 1986, right. Right? right? I know, I know. It was a rough weekend, not only college, but pros, Yeah, too. and we will get to that. We will get to that. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, Lomas is, is doing the radio broadcasting for the Lions now, so he was there in the thick of it on Monday night. Yes. Lomas, kind of give me your immediate reaction to that Monday night football game. You know, Tori, I, what I've done, this press to reset on that and I I did it really almost after the game was over with I reflect back to 1993 when I was with the Lions we lost to the San Francisco 49ers 55 to 17 at the Silver Dome and I know when you get in the game like that and they just start going bad it's really nothing you can do and so I just pressed the reset on that. And by the way, after that, we went on to beat Chicago in Chicago and beat Green Bay to get into the playoffs that year. So good things can happen after (laughs) bad games like that. I'm a witness to it. Sure. Now, a lot of people have also brought up, I believe, the 1991 season, that that was probably the Lions' uh, last really bad loss to open the season uh, before this one. And, of course, we all know what happened in 1991. So that's a testament to that too, right? That is. You're right. And, and again, the NFL is a marathon. It really is. Even though it's only 16 games in 17 weeks, it's a marathon. So we got to stay the course. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. That was pretty low. But <laughs> that was pretty low, Tori. <laughs> it definitely was. I know uh, a lot of fans were disappointed with that. The locker room is disappointed with that. Matt Patricia's disappointed with that. Not the way that you want to start the season. Obviously, it's discouraging to see them play the way that they did, not just to lose the way that they did. Right. But there was a lot of disappointing play in that. There really wasn't a lot that went right in that game. Uh, so we got to break this down just a little bit, Lomas. What what stood out to you? I know you've turned the page. I know the players have turned the page. But just for the sake of breaking it down for the fans uh, who are listening, I know they probably don't want to hear too much about it anymore <laughs> themselves. But, you know, what did you feel like went wrong? Well, I mean, you you have to start at the top, and that's with Matthew. I, I, I've never seen them have a game like that. And they brought up he had one. I think back with Coach Caldwell against the Arizona yep. Cardinals, he had a similar game. But – I know that was the bad, worst I've seen him play. So, And you could just tell he was just off early. It was just 
things that you could just see. You know, he wasn't hitting throws that he normally makes. And when he made some throws, they just weren't where they normally are. So you could just see he was kind of off to start with. And then again, I run. we got to be able to run the ball, Torrey. And when your quarterback's struggling like that, the one thing you want to be able for him to do is hand the ball off. Yeah. And we can't do that. So your quarterback's struggling. He can't hand the ball off. So it's almost like this snowball effect that started and it just kept building and building and building. And New York, to their, to their credit, after having a devastating play like they had on the first play, for Sam Donald to bounce back the for way he did. Yes, to toward 21 years old. I don't know if I could have bounced back like that, <laughs> and I wouldn't even plan that right. position. But you were right. For him to bounce back like that after that big play, that was a testimony not to him, not only to him, but that team too. I think Todd Bowles is building something there. Yeah, you brought up that game against the Arizona Cardinals where uh, we saw Matthew Stafford uh, get benched in that game. Uh, That was probably one of the only games that I can recall in my time here at the Lions, obviously, which has not been too long. It's uh, my fifth season here, so Mm -hmm. we're really just looking at a a five-season sample size for myself. But in recent memory, uh, that game and then the Kansas City game in London are two games that stick out to me as ones that just were uh, really disappointing for Lions fans. And I think this game goes into that. That category, but the good news is that it is Week One, so there's room to improve. Right, this and one. I, and I think again, you said that Week One Monday Night Football, it was just the build-up. Build exactly right, Tori. It was so much build-up, and the fans they were ready. I was at Eastern Market at the tailgate in that three something in the afternoon, and fans have been out there since that morning, so they were really ready to go. Then the first play happened. And they were really ready to the go. The roof just about came off Ford Field <laughs> when Quandre Diggs had that interception for a touchdown. It I was mean, awesome. It, it was, was awesome. And so you're right. That everything, I think it was all that. And then the results, I think that's why it was such a big letdown. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it doesn't have uh, the same uh, quite overall impact on the season that those games I mentioned did. Of course, there were a lot of organizational changes after that game uh, against Kansas City and London once the Lions landed back in the States. So none of that is happening right now. It's just kind of that first game of the season, (laughs) build up, new head coach, uh, a lot of expectations on this team. And it was a rough way uh, to start the season. It was. Yeah, you're right. And then when you fall behind you can't do things that you wanted to do you know again Tori special teams we didn't expect that that was just so unexpected for our special teams to play the way they played so it was just things that we hadn't seen that really affected us in that game. Yeah, I mean, uh, the special teams gave Darnold pretty good field position um, consistently. And then when you even saw Prater go out there and miss a field goal, you know, you knew something was going on when Matt Prater's missing a field goal he usually makes. So everybody had it on Monday night. You're right. Nobody was safe. That might be one of those films that a lot of coaches, we've had one where they just bury it. They only want you to look at it because there's nothing they could pull out of the game positive and they don't want to feed you negative things so a lot of times they just won't let you watch that that might have been one of the that fell into that category well I know you touched on the offensive side of the ball Uh, I know we got to talk defense though because the Jets put up so many points on them not all not all uh 
uh, offensive points, though. But, you know, they did play very well on offense, especially running the ball. You know, the line started hot on defense with that pick six from Quandre yes. Diggs. We all thought, okay, this is the way this game is going to go. And it didn't quite go that game, yes. especially in the second half. What happened on the defense? biggest thing. No pressure on Sam Darnold. You remember Ziggy got the sack. Ziggy got hurt. Yeah. And think about it. The rest of the game, we re- I don't know how many more times we hit, even hit him, Tory, but he wasn't pressured a lot. And he used his feet nice, too, to get out of the little pressure he that does. he had. He really uses his feet. But, Tory, it was just no pressure on him. And I don't care who you got back there. Any quarterback, you give him that kind of time, he get that rhythm going the way Sam got it going, it's going to be hard to stop him. So I I was a little shocked. We then tried to generate more pressure, especially with a young guy like that. So I was a little shocked about that. But he got comfortable, and and you could see it. You could just see his confidence growing. They were able to run the ball. He was able to do what Matthew needed to be able to do, which was to turn around and hand the ball off and get positive yards and we just weren't able to do it so it was just complete opposites of what was going on with us compared to what they were getting done well, it definitely hurts to be missing Ziggy Ansah in the yes. second half of that game. And and you picked up on that watching the game. You could tell that they were really missing him. But in that second half, with Ziggy Ansah or without him, they really let the game get <laughs> away from them. It, it just kind of snowballed and spiraled out of control. What did you see that happened there that kind of caused that uh, downfall there in the second half? Because they were really in it up they until were. the beginning of the third quarter. You're right. And it is, it, again, Tori, what we talked about last year, too, our inability to get off the field on third downs Mm. or keep drives going. Remember, it was at one point in the first half, I think they had like 16 plays to our four plays. I mean, they were killing us from that standpoint, and then it really didn't get better, and that's what happens. You you keep your defense out there, it gets tired, they get too many plays, and when you need them in the fourth quarter, when you need that rush, when you need that third and one stop or fourth and one stop, they can't give it to you because they've been out there all day long and that's just what happened to us and 31 in one quarter I don't think I've ever seen that before ever been a part of 31 points in a quarter so everything just kind of fell apart in that one quarter I mean the big long run that they had like you said the special teams touchdown they had it was just and like you said we had all the momentum when we tied it up again and then we just let them come right back down the field and march back down and take the momentum away yeah all right well a lot of tough stuff to talk about from that game on Monday night but I know you said that a lot of teams will put this behind them not look at anything because there aren't a lot of positives but I'd say there were maybe a couple yes, that you could notice, yes. and one of those to me was Kenny Galladay. Yes. I think he was really fun to watch uh, in that game when, when he did get the ball in his hands, uh, and Lions fans should have a reason to be excited about him. Obviously, you know, a big picture needs to be sorted out first and foremost, yes. uh, but I thought Kenny looked good in that game. Tori, I have my notes from pregame, and my key player Kenny Galladay, and I said <laughs> I'm looking you for him. It. Yep, I'm looking for him to have a big game preseason not a lot of targets or action so I don't know whether that was on purpose during the preseason they didn't work him or you know he wasn't part of the game plan or they game plan him in this uh for the Jets but man we needed him because I'm telling you with his size you know he has tight end size 
and he's a receiver. So he could do so many things on the field for us. He's such a, a, a matchup nightmare for a smaller DB. You know, a safety can't stay with him. He could go across the middle because he's a big guy. You could He could pretty much run any route that you send him on because of his size. You can line him up at slot if you have to. So I was wondering why he wasn't a big part of the preseason. But believe me, that was the best Keeping thing. Keeping him under we wraps. Probably, there you go, Tori. That was the best <laughs> thing we could have did. Just like without him, how it would have looked out there. Well, here's what sticks out to me about that is you have Golden Tate. You have Marvin Jones Jr. So defenses have to account for those two guys right. because we know what damage those two can do. Exactly. And then you have Kenny. Defenses can only do so much. So you, you can't really cover all three of them yeah. um, to the best but, of your ability. And so the fact that all three of them have something that they do well and can bring to the table, I think that was Kenny's game. But see, what kind of hurts us too is that teams are able to put six DVs in the game because they don't have to worry about no running attack. Well, that's fair. Tori, I'm <laughs> telling you, until we get a running attack, they'll just bring in six DBs, you know, and just have more DBs in there. So you're right. It should be. And I think if that's If you have a running have, game. Right. <laughs> it's going it, to just do so many other things. But right now, teams, when they game plan against our offense, they're not game planning for anyone but Matthew and those three receivers probably. They're not worried about a run game or how the offensive line run. Or when Matthew does a play action pass we're not worried about the play action of that pass we just worry about the pass part of it so it's just a <laughs> lot of disadvantages when you don't have a good running game okay any other positives that you can draw out of that game on Monday night yeah I could it's a positive that like I said we taken that before so it's like a reset so I say Sunday will be their first game of the season. So what I take positive out of that is, A, San Francisco lost their first game too. So they're a team that they're trying to figure themselves out. B, we only have one way to go, Tori. I don't think we'll (laughs) ever see another one of those. So it's only one way to go for us. And and C, quite honestly, after a game like that, you want to go on the road, to be honest with you. Mm. You know, if you've done that in front of your fans and the way your fans left, and everything your next game the best thing probably is going maybe not that far on the road (laughs) but I think going on the road is that'll be a positive thing for the team too because they could bond again it's us against the world they could kind of bond yeah, that's really good perspective, and I think a great transition to flipping the page and looking at the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, Matt Patricia is pretty familiar with a guy named Jimmy Garoppolo yes. um, from his time in New England. Uh, just looking ahead to this game, what needs to change for the Lions? Obviously, a lot needs to be improved on, but uh, what should we expect from this game in San Francisco? Well, again, I, I think what we have to expect is we got to establish the run game even more now with Matthew being nicked up he threw the ball 46 times against the Jets we don't want him throwing the ball 46 times a game so they got to be able to run the ball uh Tory and I think carry on could do a good job for us I like how he looks I like things about carry on his yeah. vision how he sets up his blocks I like things those are things that can make him successful but like everybody else, just like your offensive line and your running back, they have to get in rhythm. Your offensive line can't get in rhythm. And I say that, like I've always said, 
pass blocking is a passive motion. You going back, you're taking the blow as an offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. We want to deliver the blow. And the only way you're doing that is the run game. So as linemen, you want to be able to run the ball. And with carry on, I know they want to be able to run the ball. And it just makes sense because you can't put Matthew in harm's way and dropping him back every play. That's going to put him in harm's way. So I, I, Again, I think our game plan to be to go out, try to establish the run. It should be a, a ugly game for us. It should be a smash mouth game where we try to establish the run. Hopefully, we can Matthew play action passes, little short passes, get the ball out of his hand, keep drives going, and that'll help the defense. Now, on on the Lions defense side of things, I'm sure Matt Patricia is going to say his familiarity with Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really affect things too much. But, uh, you know, from your perspective, what advantage can that lend to the Lions defense? Just the fact that he uh, knows him so well. Right, it does. I mean, he knows how to rattle Jimmy. He's seen Jimmy rattle. Think about it. Nobody else has. (laughs) But this man worked there 10 years, and I don't know how long Jimmy was there. But he's seen when Jimmy got rattled in practice. He's seen when he got picked off. You know, he's seen a lot of things in practice that we would never get the opportunity to see. So he's probably kept that in the back of his mind and knows different things to kind of tweak at him or get him a little offset or a little rattled. So I'm quite sure he's feeding them just like we seen in Hard Knocks. Remember when the guy was giving the game plan? If you watched it, he was giving the game plan about his former team. Well, I'm quite sure Coach Patricia is going to do the same thing, going to give a detailed game plan about how you get to Jimmy, what he likes to do when he drops back, he looks over this shoulder. You know, there would be a lot of little things like that that he picked up on. So it's going to be very good that he has this familiarity with him. How tough does it make it that they've got to go – on the road to play a West Coast team right after playing a short yeah. week on Monday Night Football. And and it was a rough night for you. Yeah. And then you've got to flip the page fast. You've got less days to prepare, and you have to travel to the West Coast. Yeah, the toughest thing is the short week to me. The travel might not be, shouldn't be that bad, but the short week because, again, there's only so much you can install in your playbook. You know, So you're going to look – Not exactly the same, but a lot of things that you took into the Jets game, you're going to take into this game. So, and you you can't change a lot of things. So that's the that's the bad thing about uh, the short week, more so than the travel. I think is how the playbook is affected because they'll see what happened, what was good against the Jets what didn't work against the Jets. And conversely, the Lions would do the same thing to San Francisco because, like I say, they didn't win their game. So it's different things that the Lions would be able to pick up with them too. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the inability to really change the playbook too much because that was something that Jets players talked about after the game on Monday night was that they felt like that they knew Stafford's signals and that they could predict what play (laughs) was going to happen. Now, is that something that is just players talking after a game, they won the game, so they feel confident and comfortable to say things like that, or do you think that's an issue that really needs to be addressed this week? Well, Tori, I'll tell you this. I'll reflect back to when we were playing, and Bob Baker was our offensive coordinator. God bless his soul. He was probably about 70, 80 years old when he was our offensive coordinator. Lovely guy, great granddad, but shouldn't have been the offensive coordinator. We played Chicago one day, one game, 
And Mike Singletary called out. I mean, he called out every one of our plays. Every one of our run plays, he called out. And, I mean, he would shift the defense and, and was right every time. And this, so it's tendencies that you pick up. Coach Cooter's been here a couple of years. They get a book on your offensive coordinator. They know his tendencies, just like you were saying. Even it worked in reverse, too, with the Jets. Just like Coach Patricia knew the Jets' tendency, don't think the Jets didn't know his tendencies, how he liked, what he likes to do on third down, how he likes to play it on second and long, whatever the situation is. So they had a book on him just like he had a book on them. So it works the same way. So, you know, with that being said, again, that's why I think um, as far as with the playbooks and them knowing different things like that, he we have tendencies. I, I, whether Matthew tipped it or not, like they were saying, I don't know about that. But I do know you could pick up different tendencies um, as a defensive player and as an offensive player you could pick them up. So I'm not shocked to hear that. I'm, I'm really not, to be honest with you. When they said that, I really wasn't shocked to hear that because there was no reason for him to come out and say that if it wasn't true. Last example was when I won the Super Bowl, um, Coach Gruden, a year before, was with the Oakland Raiders. He was our coach in Tampa Bay. Sure. We played uh, Oakland in the Super Bowl. He played quarterback that week at the Super Bowl practice. He was Rich Gannon. He was like, if Rich Gannon come to the line of scrimmage and do like this, they're going to run this route, they're going to do this. He told us everything, Tori. We had five interceptions in the Super Bowl. Mm. And John Lynch famously said, it was just like we practiced it. So, again, tendencies, you can pick up tendencies, even though Coach was their coach before, but you could pick up tendencies. So is it reason for concern? I mean, yeah, it has to be. I mean, because this is a copycat league. And think about it. That film is going to circulate four more times. Mm -hmm. So these next three com uh, opponents are going to see that film. They're going to pick up whatever tendencies the Jets got. They might be able to pick it up. So it's up to our coaches to find out what Matthew might have been tipping if it was something that he really was tipping and try to correct it. Do you think they have enough time to do that, to change signals, to uh, adjust the playbook a little bit before they play the 49ers I think on so. Sunday? I think so. They're just something like that. You, they got enough time to do that. And it, it shouldn't be nothing hard, Tori. It shouldn't be really nothing hard to do. Like I say, I'm quite sure they probably know, the coaches probably know, or probably found out what was said and know what the tendencies are, what they've seen on Matthew. So it shouldn't be too hard to tweak that. All right, one last question for you here. Do you think the Lions can get it done against the 49ers and turn things around? Oh, yeah, it's reset. I, I'm, I'm confidently saying that the Lions will win this game Sunday on the road. Um, and it's not candlestick anymore. Levi, Levi Stadium. There you go, a pair of jeans. <laughs> Come on, for a stadium name. But, no, I, I feel confident that they should win this game. I, our offense won't look like that again. I think they'll keep the ball moving, and I think our defense will come up with some stops. I don't know how much better they'll look, but I'm quite sure they won't let Jimmy G go down the field the way they did uh, like Sam Darnold did. 
Well, I think that is the perfect place to wrap things up because Lomas, at the end of every podcast episode now, we do a trivia question. So I've got a trivia question for the fans. Don't answer it if you know it. I probably don't know it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So guys, if you know the answer to this trivia question, remember you can tweet us at Lions with the answer to the trivia question and you could win an autographed prize. So we theme the trivia question each week to that uh, week's episode. So since the Lions are heading to San Francisco, it is about... Levi Stadium. So here's a trivia question. The Lions will be playing at Levi Stadium for the very first time on Sunday. So we're asking fans to name one other current NFL stadium that the Lions have never played in. So there's multiple answers to this question, but I just need you to name one. So fans uh, can send that in to us, tweet us at Lions, give us the answer to that uh, that trivia question, and you could win an autographed prize. Uh, We already had somebody tweet us this week who's won previous uh, trivia question uh, answers and they got their autographed prize in the mail. He tweeted it at us. So (laughs) it's fun to see that. Fun to see you guys participating in in our One Pridecast trivia. And as always, we thank you guys for listening in. And Lomas, it was so fun to have you back on the podcast. Welcome back. Thanks, Tori. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, that was kind of your uh, shortened uh, short week version of the One Pridecast. So thanks for tuning in. As always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe and we will see you next week.